Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and oh boy, do we have quite the doozy on Sunday between the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, uh, we know the San Francisco 49ers have lost two straight games, both those being on the road, one against Cleveland and this past Monday against the Vikings, Kirk Cousins in primetime. But they're back home this week in front of the faithful at Levi Stadium, hoping to get themselves back on track and back in the win column prior to going into their bye week in week number nine. Now, Debo Samuel is still going to be out for this game. Trent Williams is going to be questionable for this game. And uh, this is a it's unfortunately a week where San Francisco cannot lose. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's a must win game, but there are certain scenarios where if San Francisco does indeed lose, and let's just say the Seahawks beat the Browns on Sunday, uh, San Francisco could find themselves in second place by the end of the weekend, falling to 5-3. and three. Now, they're currently 5-2. and two. The Bengals are currently 3-3 three and three coming off of their bye week, so um, not a lot of things working in the Niners' favor, um, where San Francisco has some players being out, like Debo Samuel, maybe even Trent Williams. The Bengals have players getting healthy or more healthy than they already are, uh, one of those being Joe Burrow, who has a calf injury, um, the others being T. Higgins and Orlando Brown, their starting receiver and left tackle. So these two teams are kind of on the inverse. San Francisco wants to uh, go into the bye week with a win, be 6-2, and two, and kind of stave off this weird three-game stretch they've had where things haven't gone their way the past two weeks, whereas the Bengals... They're off their bye, they're getting healthy, uh, and they are trying to hit that strong stretch to, you know, get into the middle of the season, uh, hopefully getting ahead in the AFC North. But um, unfortunately for San Francisco, this week has not been the most promising one for their hopes to win on Sunday uh, at one o'clock at Levi Stadium against these darn Bengals, because quarterback Brock Purdy, <laughs> all of a sudden, um, out of nowhere, really came down with a concussion and he's been in concussion protocol the entire week. Now, Kyle Shanahan did say this was sustained during the game against the Vikings, and he didn't have any symptoms during that game, but it seemed to occur during a quarterback sneak where he indeed was hit helmet-to-helmet by Jordan Hicks, which, no penalty, no call, and so far, no fine. Uh, That's interesting to me, but I digress. Um, But right now, Brock Purdy has practiced one time this week, that being tonight, or today actually, uh, Thursday, uh, September, October, wow, months, not my friend, uh, October 26th, 
uh, and we'll see if he practices on Friday when you hear and see this podcast and maybe even goes through a walkthrough on Saturday or not. Um, but right now, Brock Purdy's status is up in the air. Again, did practice today, but there is a ginger elephant in the room knowing that Brock Purdy may not be able to play, knowing that um, his play actually against the Vikings may have been affected by the concussion. So I'll walk back some of that, uh, some of the um, criticism I had towards him because a concussion is very serious. And if he's seeing double or triple, that's not his fault. But um, if he can play Sunday, that's great. That's good. Hope he's healthy. Uh, they're going to be in for a dogfight. But if he cannot play... While the dogfight won't change, they'll still be in for one of those. We are going to have a new quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, and his name is Sam Darnold. Oh, I know you're cowering in your your Halloween costumes and uh, your shirts and your blouses, folks, but uh, uh, Sam Darnold currently is in line to start for the San Francisco 49ers if Brock Purdy cannot play or is not cleared from concussion protocol. Now, to give you more insight into this, uh, Dr. Pandia, uh, a you probably see him on Twitter or X talking about plenty of sports injuries. Um, he's on cleared to play on 95.7 The Game with Steiny and Guru every single week. Oh no, with Willard and Dibs, excuse me, on 95.7 The Game. And he talked about that uh, Brock Purdy practicing today means he's likely in step four of five to getting cleared, which is good news. It means Brock Purdy has a chance to play on Sunday. But again, uh, we are going to enter this podcast, enter week number eight of the NFL season with the assumption that Sam Darnold is going to play knowing he's actually healthy and doesn't have a concussion and knowing that Brock Purdy's odds to play are very low. Uh, as of right now being Thursday night. So uh, I'll start with this. Let's start with the Bengals defense because that's who whoever's playing quarterback is going to face on Sunday. So the Bengals defense led by Lou Anarumo. That's his name. Lou Anarumo. Um, I love Lou Anarumo. I, right now, I do think that he is one of the best scouters of opposing offenses in football. He's one of those coaches that I guarantee you, I just said his name and you're like, who the heck is Lou Anarumo? Who I've never heard of that guy ever. Um, he really isn't the name you hear when it comes to defensive coordinators, but he's been around for a very long time. And again, um, he is excellent when it comes to scouting opposing offenses and playing the game within the game. Um, he is, I don't want to say the best, but he's one of the better uh, coordinators when it comes to making sef second half adjustments. And right now it feels like that this is going to be a chess match between Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco's offense versus a Lou Anarumo-led Bengals defense. Um, again, it's almost like San Francisco has kind of found themselves in a stretch where two of their three games... Uh, Cleveland, Jim Schwartz, and now Lou Anarumo have two very strong, stout, uh, smart defensive coordinators who otherwise maybe wouldn't make a difference in a game or you wouldn't think of making a difference um, like the Packers, McCarthy and Dan Quinn. You don't really look into it too much there, but uh, you certainly do when it's Schwartz and Anarumo for the Bengals. And in my humble opinion, which is what you're here for, obviously, <laughs> is that it doesn't really matter who plays quarterback 
this Sunday. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of the Bengals' defensive weaknesses have almost nothing to do with the quarterback. Now, yes, if you're asking me right now, I'd much rather have Brock Purdy play. I'd feel a lot more comfortable, as I'm sure you would as well, with Purdy playing over Sam Darnold. But no matter who the quarterback is, um, San Francisco is going to need to run the football. Uh, the Bengals this year, through six of their games, have allowed five yards per carry. That ranks 30th in football. If you're doing the reverse math, that is the third worst in the NFL. Um, they're also allowing six yards per carry on runs outside the left tackle. So here is your first ding when it comes to why Trent Williams needs to play, or hopefully if he can play, a reason why he is going to be an X-factor for San Francisco against his Bengals defense. Uh, the Niners are averaging 6.7 yards a carry on runs towards and behind Trent Williams. So this is a massive day where, of course, you want Trent out there, but if you're trying to get back on track and you hope his ankle's fine, um, if there was ever a game where you need to run the football and you need Trent Williams on that field, it is Sunday against the Bengals who struggle guarding behind left tackles and the Niners who are successful at running behind their left tackle. Now, diving to it even further here, uh, the Bengals have given up the second highest average yards before contact at 2.1. Um, Niners are averaging 2.5 yards per contact. So uh, this is a game where San Francisco should be. And I would, I would expect Kyle Shanahan, if Sam Darnold does play in this game, that it's going to be a heavy rushing day for CMC and hopefully Jordan Mason, not Elijah Mitchell. But we'll keep pounding that uh, on the table until it actually happens one day. But this is a game where this should be a very heavy, heavy uh, CMC outing. And also, this is a game where we've watched Kyle Shanahan for years here now openly say, uh, well, it depends on the week. He wants to run the football 30 plus times, 40 plus times a game if he can now. Doesn't always have that luxury. Uh, the way the game's going doesn't always call for it, but... When it comes to taking the ball or keeping the ball away from Joe Burrow and the explosive Bengals offense and playing a little bit of keep away if Sam Darnold does indeed play in this game, uh, you now have the ultimate weapon in Christian McCaffrey, even with the oblique injury and hopefully Jordan Mason, to play a little keep away in this game and actually control the pace of it if you run the football successfully. Uh, this Niners offense has to get back on track. Um, the past two weeks, what is it, four turnovers, I believe. Uh, Purdy's thrown three picks and CMC's fumbled once. Um, that's averaging two turnovers a game, hence two losses. Now, I get both those games have been close, but your, your offense has scored 17 points in each of those two games. Um, that can't happen against this Bengals team. I would expect that this Bengals defense is better than the Vikings, but worse than the Browns. Uh, this is not going to be an easy day to score. If I was Kyle Shanahan, seeing how bad the Bengals' run defense is, seeing I have one of the best running backs in football, if not the most dynamic, especially with Christian McCaffrey, and knowing that I have Jordan Mason, who averaged 5.6 yards a pop against the Browns, this is a game where, even if Purdy's out there, this is a strength of yours as an offense. It's 
we know you want to do it, Kyle. Just do it. Run the football 35 times. Control the pace of the clock. Control the game. Have yourself a 7, 8, 11-minute drive. We've seen that before against the Rams. You want to control the clock, control the pace. You keep a rather ex- explosive offense off the field in Cincinnati. You're doing your defense and your offense a favor. Uh, the difference here is, is that... You do that over and over and over again, that's fine. Uh, this team is going to load the box against you. If you do that, this Bengals defense likes to blitz. They don't love to blitz, but they do like to blitz. So it's going to be, I don't want to say a tough outing, but it's going to be a very back and forth kind of game where you might find yourself in a position where the last team that scores wins. Unfortunately for San Francisco, it hasn't been them the past two weeks. You miss a game when you field goal against the Browns, and you throw a pick to end the game against the Vikings. Um, San Francisco needs to come out and control this game from kickoff. It felt like against the Vikings that was going to happen. Then you fumble and you don't score. You give momentum to Minnesota. You give Kirk Cousins a chance to keep themselves in that game and actually go down and score points first. Um, Then Moody misses the field goal against the Browns. And it feels like that San Francisco is, for some reason, trying to find their identity offensively. Uh... Shanahan, run the football. That's the identity. That's how you get back to playing San Francisco 49ers football against the Spangles defense on Sunday. Uh, but this Sunday is also going to be a massive test for the offensive line once again. Now, yes, it's not going to be as bad as the Browns. Uh, it's gonna, not going to be as easy or, you know, quote-unquote easy if it was easy at all against the Vikings. It's going to be, again in the middle of those two teams. Um, I, for one, think that this Bengals defense is underrated. Um, They were a big reason as to why they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They're a big reason as to why they're 3-3 and this year and been in almost every game they've played so far, despite Burrow and Higgins being out or or hurt for the majority of the year uh, early in the season. But again, another reason as to why your second as to why Trent Williams needs to be on the field on Sunday is that uh, Trey Hendrickson, who is one of the most underrated edge rushers in football, is 13th in pass rush win rate at 23.6, also tied for uh, for 4th in sacks at 7, and he's also been double teamed 22% of the time. So when you're talking about a, again, this year at least, one of the elite edge rushers in football, or at least top 10 kind of players, you're facing one again. Against the Browns, it was Garrett and Zedaria Smith. Last week, it was Daniel Hunter. Um, this week, it's Hendrickson. And again, I can argue this defensive line is much better uh, than the Vikings defensive line. Uh, a much more differently coached, that didn't make any sense, a differently coached uh, defense for the Bengals than Minnesota, but a very still strong defensive line for Cincinnati. Um... Hendrickson primarily lines up over the left tackle again as your third thing as to why Trent Williams needs to be on the field on Sunday. Um, Jalen Moore was fine against the Vikings. He wasn't awful. He wasn't great. He was fine. He he survived one game against a rather weak Vikings pass rush um, or one that doesn't win very much of their pass rush uh, attempts. And so hey, this game against the Bengals, if it's Hendrickson, who again is tied for fourth in sacks 
and a top 10 player when it comes to pass rush win rate, um, or close to that, it's going to be hard, or my money isn't on Jalen Moore surviving this one <laughs> against Hendrickson. But to go even further into that, uh, B.J. Hill and B.J. Reader are still eating up the middle for the Bengals. This is a very strong defensive line. I don't care what the stats might say. Uh, this is a defense, at least when it comes to their, their front four, or, or, or on some days, even in front three for them, that they are going to get after the quarterback, they're going to get pressure, and they're going to fill up space and limit what quarterbacks can do offensively. Um, whether it's Purdy or Darnold, the challenge does not change for this offensive line. Yes, you can argue that Darnold and Purdy's skill sets in the pocket are much different. I would agree. That even furthers my point. If it is Brock Purdy... His pocket presence is probably a little better than Darnold. He has a feel for the pocket a lot better, in my opinion, than Darnold does. Whereas Darnold is a little more fidgety, can panic a little bit in the pocket. And we've seen that during preseason in this past this past year. And so uh, if Darnold is your quarterback on Sunday, you got to have the pocket hold up. And you're going to need or you'd like to have Trent Williams back on that field to help uh, block his blind side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but going back to one of my major points uh, with the Bengals defense that they're very versatile. They can play, you know, four, three, they can do three, four. Um, they're very much a switch it up every single Sunday kind of team, but they're likely going to be in a four, three defense. Uh, but one of the bigger things is that they do, they do blitz, but they don't love to blitz as much as Minnesota and the Browns, which is going to take, um, uh, a little pressure off of the Niners offensive line. It's still there, but take a little bit off of them. Uh, they rank 13th in blitzing, but it's more so because they like to use their secondary to blitz. So that part is very similar to the Vikings who love to blitz Harrison Smith and others in that secondary. Whereas the Bengals, they love to blitz their slot nickel cornerback, Mike Hilton, who has the third most blitzes out of the nickel spot was 16. So this is a defense that they're going to trust their their front four, their front three, whatever it is on Sunday against San Francisco to get to the quarterback, but also they're unafraid to bring extra pressure from Mike Hilton and, and others in that secondary. But uh, you're going to see a lot of a lot of nickel cornerback blitzes averaging right now. What is that? Roughly two, two and a half a game. Uh, I would assume we might see that a little more if Darnold does indeed start. Um, but we've also seen teams like the Buccaneers last year, the Browns, and even Vikings last week that will, if Purdy's back there, they want to bring pressure. And again, if you don't have Trent Williams, <laughs> it's not a good thing because uh, San Francisco's offensive line has been fine this year started off pretty well um as a unit certainly had a game or so where McKivitz wasn't great or Burford wasn't great but overwhelmingly to start the year Williams and and Brendel and Banks were really good to begin but it does seem as if Banks and Burford have kind of 
I don't know, evened out or kind of fallen back down to earth after a really good season to end um, in 2022. Um, I'm not saying replace them. I'm not saying move on or find somebody else. But um, as a team, offensively and defensively, this is a game where I think San Francisco is going to have, when they leave, win or lose, a good idea as to where they need to improve the offense or defense. Um, they're going to face a top five quarterback in football. You're going to face a number one receiver in football with three stud receivers uh, next to him or in this offense, Chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You're going to face Joe Mixon, who isn't great anymore, but he's certainly a good running back still. Uh, and you're also going to face a better or a above average defense in Cincinnati, who I think can actually surprise some folks, might be top 10 by the end of the season. Uh, especially when it comes to getting to the quarterback and like they have players on this defense that can hurt you on any play. Uh, this is a chance where San Francisco can kind of sit back and, you know, do a little checklist as to do we need to improve here? Or should we look here where whether it's offensive line, whether it's cornerback or even edge rusher or interior defensive line, this is going to be a game where they can kind of look themselves in the mirror or kind of, you know, check their wounds and see where they need to make adjustments or changes. Um, I would expect the offensive line stays the same, but I wouldn't mind them going out and reacquiring Daniel Brunskill from the Titans. They're selling a lot, but I, I digress. That shouldn't impact Sunday's game when it comes to trade deadlines. Um, whether it's Banks, Burford, Brendel, whoever it is, they have to hold up in this game because Cincinnati... They don't love to blitz. They don't mind blitzing, though. They have two really strong defensive linemen in Hendrickson and Reeder with B.J. Hill and Hubbard also being fine players next to them. But also Cincinnati ranks third behind the Niners and uh, in, with interceptions. They have eight this year. So they like to get to the quarterback and they will get turnovers. They'll get takeaways. And that I'm sure is telling you right now that where I'm headed with this, uh, Sam Darnold has not been the best quarterback when it comes to uh, securing the football in his career uh, so far. Now we hope that does change. And in a little bit later, I'm going to give you maybe some hope where you might think, well, he sees ghosts. It's spooky season. It's spooky mama season. He's seeing ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I will give you some positive reinforcement as to maybe Sam Darnold can actually beat this Bengals defense and maybe even might be, when it comes to skill set-wise, the better quarterback to play on Sunday. I, that's a big statement there. I'll explain in one second, so stick with me. Um, this will make it to the quarterbacks because, um, I think you and I were on the same page here, uh, if it's Brock Purdy, good, great. He's this team's starting quarterback. If he's healthy enough to play, he needs to play. Um, I trust him a lot more against the Bengals than I would Sam Darnold. Um, and like I was saying earlier, that's where it gets scary. Um, in 48 starts in his career since, I believe, 2018, uh, Darnold has 61 turnovers. 
He's averaging over one turnover a game just in starts. Um, that's not great. That's not good. That's not just bad. That is awful. <laughs> so um, there is reason to be worried. And of course, it is ironic that this man does see ghosts and he's playing two days prior to Halloween. Um, but like I was saying earlier, let's try to be a little more positive here. I get there are Niner fans who are saying, this is why you should have kept Trey Lance. And to that I say, shut up. Um, he's not here. It's been about three months now. Move on. Um, he wasn't going to be this team's QB2 even if he was here still, but I digress. Uh, although it actually is funny that Brandon Allen, who was so hated uh, for taking, I guess you can say taking Trey Lance's job, that he's a former Bengal. <laughs> Uh, maybe he gives the secrets away. <laughs> Who knows, right? Maybe he has the recipe for success against this Bengals offense. But going back to Sam Darnold, here's why we as a collective of the fan base should be a little more positive towards him heading into Sunday if he is the starter. If he's not starting, forget everything I'm saying here, and you can go back to saying he stinks, he sucks, he sees ghosts. But if he is starting, here is some positive reinforcement for you uh, when it comes to Sam Darnold being potentially this team's QB1 on Sunday. This past preseason, Sam Darnold completed 22 of 33 passes. It's pretty good, right? For 282 yards, that is 8.55, 8.55 yards per attempt. Also, pretty good. Um, he had two touchdowns and one interception. Now, to jog your memory here, uh, I believe that pick was against the Broncos. And I also believe the reason why it was picked off was because Ronnie Bell got hit in the face by the ball as it went through his hands, went up in the air, and got picked off. One of Ronnie Bell's many drops this preseason, so that one pick wasn't even Sam Darnold's fault. Anyways... He also rushed three times for 18 yards. Pretty good preseason for Sam Darnold. Now, yes, go back and watch the tape. It wasn't a it was an amazing preseason. I'm, I'm not here to champion Sam Darnold at all. I'm just here to tell you that it might not be as bad as we all think it is because when you saw Brock Purdy in concussion protocol, you were probably like me first saying, when did that happen? And also too, like, oh my God, Sam Darnold's going to start for this team. What the heck? Uh, I don't want this. Somebody, somebody change something. <laughs> go, go sign Tom Brady right now, right? This wasn't supposed to happen. But um, anyways, last year as a starter for the Panthers, Sam Darnold went four and two, um, completing 82 of 140 of his passes now. I'm not going to do the math. I'll just say that's pretty good. That's over half of his passes, right? Okay. He also threw for 1,143 yards, which leads to 8.16 yard attempt. It's pretty good. Threw for seven touchdowns and three picks and rushed 16 times for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Again, Sam Darnold's preseason and last year combined stats are pretty darn good that's not oh, that 11 total touchdowns when it comes to rushing and throwing and only four picks it's pretty good like, that's not too shabby for what is deemed to be a failed bust of a pick and someone who as the fan base sees him as not a good quarterback again i'm not championing him i'm just being honest here when you combine when you combine his preseason with the niners and last year with the panthers 
he actually has completed over 60% of his passes for 8.24 yards an attempt, which is really good, and a 5.2 touchdown rate and a 2.3 interception rate. Now, yes, you want the INT rate lower. We know when it comes to Sam Darnold, turnovers are... They kind of go hand-in-hand hand with how he plays. He's going to take risks. He's going to make mistakes. But he was relatively clean when it when he was a starter last year and in this preseason. And again, one of those picks, at least for San Francisco, was not his fault this preseason. So really, in reality, when it comes to Sam Darnold control plays, he has 11 touchdowns for just three picks. That's pretty good. Uh, in a short sample size of over the past, what, year and an offseason of work. Um, those are much better than his 2018 through 2021, where he's completing under 60% of his passes, completing or had a uh, less than seven yard per attempt, and his touchdown to pick ratio were basically equal at 3.3 and 3.32. Uh, so it's not as if Sam Darnold hasn't improved. Um, again, I want Purdy to start. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. It was a lot of stats. I get that. All that to say, Sam Darnold with the Panthers last year and Sam Darnold this past preseason with the Niners was a much improved quarterback. And we've heard the entire time of, you know, he's the best thrower of the football you've ever had. He has the best arm on the team. He's being compared to Steve Young uh, by Kyle Shanahan this past offseason. He's had... Weirdly enough, some hype around his name to almost justify trading away Trey Lance and keeping Sam Darnold. Um, and I said it during the offseason, during training camp, during preseason, that they've been trying to get him for two years. Um, I'm not saying they want him to be a starter. I'm just saying they like what he brings to the table. Um, even Mooney Ward today said that, for lack of better terms, uh, Darnold is a mother-effing dog and, and he trusts him. So now that could be a player backing his quarterback, knowing he might play on Sunday. But still, uh, this defense, which should be around the top five defenses in football, but hasn't played like it recently. Um, when when your number one cornerback trusts him, okay, does does make your eyes turn and your ears open up and go, what was that? Um, so maybe there is a reason to believe in Sam Darnold. Now I can say all this, and he one not play or two just looks like some booty cheeks on uh, Sunday against the Bengals. But this is going to be a game where all the things you've heard, best throw over the ball he ever had, he has the best time on the team, and Steve Young, all of those things in one game are going to be put to the test. Um, and here's a reason as to why I believe that Sam Darnold, although I'm not picking it or I'm not choosing him to start over Brock Purdy, if Darnold does play, his skill set, his physical tools might lend San Francisco a higher, weirdly, weirdly enough chance of victory against this Bengals defense and what their weaknesses might be. So stick with me here. Um, I'm no Darnold fanboy. Go back and watch my tweets and listen to the shows I've done. Just stick with me here. The Bengals have been one of the heavier man coverage defenses playing at over 51% of their dropbacks. That's eighth highest in football. Essentially, you're getting guys 1v1. It's going to be cornerback versus receiver. That means you're getting Brandon Ayuk, 
one of the biggest separators in football, 1v1 the majority of the time. Um, I would like to think that the cornerbacks in Cincinnati, Awuzier, uh, Hill, and others are not going to have a fun time covering Brandon Ayuk. Now, uh, this is a big game for him. Ayuk had three drops against the Browns, said, well, he'll bounce back against the Vikings. Was good in the first half, then didn't catch a ball uh, after the six-minute mark in the second quarter. And you go, okay, like, where is our receiver number one? So without Debo, Ayuk's kind of been this disappearing act. This is a big game for him that you've had relatively two bad games in a row, can I say that, and not get criticized for it, but he's not been great the past two weeks, and um, he needs to step up here because this is a big game for San Francisco. You cannot lose this game. Being 5-3 and three going into the, the bye week after being 5-0 and oh is just awful. That cannot happen. And so for San Francisco, big, big week for a Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but going back to the Bengals defense, they play man coverage over 50% of the time. Uh, they're going to get a lot of 1v1s with the receivers and cornerbacks. But also in man coverage, the Bengals give up the 18th, I guess, reverse math here again. They give up a QBR of 63.5. Uh, which is 18th in man coverage. So that's not great by all means, but we've also played defenses that have had a lot better chance of victory in man coverage compared to this Bengals secondary. Um, this lends me to my point here with Sam Darnold. Um, teams have been very successful passing the ball downfield, taking deep shots, taking chances downfield against this Bengals defense. Uh, the average air yards per attempt, there's that buzzword again, is almost it's over 10. It's the highest in the league. You can take shots against this Bengals defense and live to tell about it. Um, yes, they have, eight, they have eight picks this year. They they like to get takeaways. The difference of that is, is that you have now a quarterback, and this is by no means a knock on Brock Purdy if he's healthy. It doesn't change the fact that San Francisco can still push the ball downfield against the Bengals defense. It's more to say that Sam Darnold, who I think we can all agree has the better arm on the team when it comes to strength, when it comes to zip, when it comes to spiral, it's a better ball overall. Now, yes, Brock Purdy is probably the better quarterback when it comes to accuracy, when it comes to timing, there's no doubt about it. Brock Purdy's the better quarterback. When it comes to arm talent, that is Sam Darnold's thing. <laughs> um, I was there at camp almost every single day, if not every single day. I was there at training camp and OTAs. Sam Darnold has the best arm on this team, and when you see a defense that can and will allow you to throw against them, that lends credence to the point of, you don't love Sam Darnold, but in this game, his skill set, his strength, that being his arm... Uh, might come in handy, might be a big factor into if San Francisco actually wins this game on Sunday. Now, like I said earlier, whether it's Purdy or Darnold, it doesn't change the fact you can pass the ball on this Bengals secondary, downfield 10-plus yards in attempt. What it means is that Darnold, who is unafraid to take risks, who doesn't mind throwing a pick or two, as we've seen, but also as of... Last year in this past offseason, 
playing the safest and arguably most efficient play of his entire career. Uh, now, three of those games don't count, mind you, but still, that is a, what, nine-game sample size of pretty good for Sam Darnold when it comes to throwing, what, was it four picks and 11 total touchdowns? It's not great, but in this offense, with this rushing game and our head coach and our, and our, and our, our play caller, right, it should be a relatively safe game to whereas if Sam Darnold's going to play, it shouldn't be the end of the world, actually, which that feels weird coming out of my mouth, but it's actually, on paper at least, and through six of the games the Bengals have played, doesn't really worry me if Sam Darnold plays in this game. Now, yes, Brock Purdy, please play, but if Sam Darnold plays, it's not really the end of the world for San Francisco. Now, I do cast to play well. Kittle has to play well. Jennings has to play well. The stars of this team have to step up. The offense cannot put up 17 points again and expect to win. They have to show up. But thankfully, and maybe even a little worrisome actually, is this defense also has to show up. Um, this is a massive game for Steve Wilkes against this Bengals offense. Um, we've talked about it. I ripped him for an hour on the last podcast, and I have to give Kyle Shanahan and Steve Volks a lot of credit here. Um, Shanahan bit the bullet, and he took full responsibility uh, for the zero blitz mistake on KNBR today. Um, he said he should have called timeout. He should have weighed the playoff. He should have overrid uh, Steve Volks' play call. Now, how well would that have gone behind the scenes? Who knows? Uh, I would assume plenty of F-words in the mic <laughs> between those two, but you gotta do what you gotta do. And and even Steve Wilkes today, on Thursday of all days, not on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, on Thursday of all days, his scheduled media day, um, he took responsibility as well, saying, I have to be better. I have to... Uh, it was on me, essentially. Um, now... Do I think this has been overblown a little bit? But I will say this. Did you ever hear Shanahan th essentially throw Wilkes under the bus or previous uh, defensive coordinators here under the bus? Wilkes, he had no problem doing it. Uh, didn't do it to Demeco. didn't do it to Sala. Uh, that was a little weird. Uh, and now Wilkes has to address it because there's so much media attention towards it. He's kind of under fire currently. Now, I don't think his seat is warm. I don't think it's hot. It didn't even look. This is not Goldilocks of, this one's too cold. This one's just too hot. This one's just right. None of that. This is, he's fine. He's going to be here for the entirety of the year unless something insane happens. And he goes, I'm going to call a zero blitz every play. That'll get you fired. <laughs> but I don't think Wilkes wants that. Um, my time with him, very small, but in the same room with the media. Um, he is, he, he commands that room. He's well-respected. Um, and I think the entire team is behind him as their defensive coordinator, but, uh, that one play is having him get crushed all over national news, all over you know, local radio, all over local news. And the fan base is now to a certain extent turning on him. Uh, and he needs a big game against his Bengals, the, uh, offense. Um, and so let's see what he's going up against uh, in this Bengals offense. Now, 
Zach Taylor is this team's essentially OC and head coach. Uh, he is a McVay disciple, thus he is a Shanahan disciple in a weird way. Uh, if there's a family tree, he's one of the cousins somewhere that just knows everything that Shanahan does. Um, but also, there's kind of a spread hybrid system where they've taken the Shanahan scheme or brought it over to Cincinnati when Taylor got hired, but then said, we had Burrow here, we have the receivers, let's play this Shanahan slash Chiefs style of offense. So it's kind of a spread Shanahan hybrid kind of scheme. So you're going to see play action, but you're also going to see them go four wide, five wide, and just say, bro, go get it. Now, with that being said, um, Joe Burrow has been hampered by a calf injury almost the entirety of the year. Um, it just really had a very slow start to begin this year. Um, but they picked things up recently, um, and we're not really sure what Joe Burrow we're going to get this week because um, the past few weeks prior to the bye week, it was very much a trying to do what they did in the past and didn't work. So they kind of reverted to or resulted and moved over into a quick passing game to get their stars the ball, um, similar to what... Uh, San Francisco was with Jimmy G, um, maybe to a lesser extent, but you get my point here of you want to get Burrow, Mixon, excuse me, Chase, Mixon, Higgins, avoid the ball as fast as you can to get Burrow out of the pocket and avoid him getting hit over and over and over again. And so uh, we don't know which Burrow we're going to get on Sunday. Is he going to be Burrow of the past two, three years where he's like, one of the best quarterbacks in football and he's smoking a cigar and you know, he's Joey football and he's Joey B whatever his nickname is. Um, or we're going to get this more uh, quick passing game where you're going to have balls even thrown behind the line of scrimmage a lot just to get chase the ball faster and quicker and avoid the pressure uh, that is coming from opposing defenses. Uh, that does kind of mitigate Nick Bosa and Hargrave and Armstead and Jackson and Gregory and Farrell, it does mitigate and limit what San Francisco's pass rush can be. So the Bengals scheme how really relies on how healthy Joe Burrow is. If he is previous Joe Burrow and he's moving around and throwing deep, um, it's going to change what our defensive line can do. But if he is this year's Joe Burrow, you're going to have a lot of quick passes, a lot of you know, behind the, the LOS and you're going to have a lot of screens and dump offs and check downs just to make sure he's safe. It doesn't re-injure himself. Um, and then you have Joe Mixon uh, as their running back. I'll just say this about Joe Mixon. Um, he's an Oakley East Bay product here in, in, in the Bay. Um, I think he went to Freedom High School. Um, he went to my favorite college, that being the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, but he's kind of a kind of piece of garbage person. <laughs> um, he got in trouble infamously for punching a woman in the face, um, which like, hey, um, maybe you don't do that. That's kind of bad. <laughs> um, uh, he's just not a great person. Uh, he's had plenty of trouble off the field and it's been recurring for them. But um, just focusing on the field, he's not who he once was where he was in the conversation for a top 10 running back, maybe a top six guy. But He's averaging 3.8 yards in attempt this year. Does have eight carries for over 10 yards. So there's still spurts of explosiveness for him, but he's not going to be a, you know, let's give Joe the ball 20 times. Let him grind this thing out and win. Um, he's not that player anymore. Um, 
their running game is it's fine. It's like top 15 instead of top 10 right now. And Mixon is just kind of a, he's there. But when you think about how bad San Francisco's run defense has been the past few weeks, it does, it gives me the ick and the worry and the, like, gives me the heebie-jeebies, right? It gives me the jeepers creepers. Um, and for San Francisco this year, they've been especially, Especially bad on third downs when it comes to run defense. Um, this year, third downs for the rushing defense, they've given up first downs almost 80% of the time. 79% of the time, uh, they've been giving up first downs when opponents run the ball against them on third down. Um, that ranks dead last in football by, like, a lot. <laughs> um, so... That's, that's not great, but thankfully Cincinnati has the 29th uh, ranked third down conversion all season and 28th in their last three games. So this may be a game where San Francisco might have the slight edge or can kind of fix their problems and hopefully, you know, start their tweaking before going into the bye week, you know, kind of the I don't want to say a get right game, but a game where you can start to make your tweaks and your fixes and your adjustments and start to get back to who we thought you were going to be and who you have been the past few years on defense. Um, and that brings us to just who I think can alter this game <laughs> and not in a good way for San Francisco. And that is Jamar Chase. Um, this entire receiving core for the Bengals is pretty good, um, whether it's Mooney Ward or uh, Dima Lenore or Isaiah Oliver, and if we're not lucky, Amber Thomas is out there. Uh, for those three or four players, um, this is probably their toughest matchup when it comes to the explosiveness mixed with the 1v1 matchup um, success the Bengals have with their receivers. And as a group, they're probably the best receiving core in football, maybe outside of the Eagles, who are really good, have the two top talents. Um, but as, you know, they have the X, they have the Y, then they got Boyd in the slot. Like, they got three good guys that have been doing it for a while now. And just, like, Chase and Higgins could easily be, Chase is a number one receiver, but Higgins could be a top, you know, he, he can start on and be, and be the guy on, what, 16, 17 teams in this league. So it's they have two number ones, really, and a really good slot guy. Um, but Jamar Chase, you know, he is their guy. He is their star. He is their best offensive player, minus Joe Burrow. Um, now, again, his usage goes back to what Joe Burrow do we get on Sunday? Do we get the... You know, 2021 Joe Burrow, where they go to the Super Bowl and he's just awesome. Or are we getting this year Joe Burrow, where since Burrow's had the calf injury, they have sent Chase in motion on 12% of their snaps. Um, that's almost double what it was in previous years. And so he's moving a lot around. He's They're trying to find him ways to get him the ball and kind of give him the matchup they want. Uh, I would assume San Francisco is going to lock Mooney Ward on him the entire game and say, follow him the entire time. Don't let him out of your sight. Just do your best to survive, right? 
The difference here is that it's not going to likely be a, a, a push the ball down the field kind of game if they do get this year's Joe Burrow. Um, it's Again, it's been a very much a quick game. Let Chase get the ball, let him yak, let him get rack, let him do his thing. Um, this year, I think, surprisingly, Jamar Chase ranks second in the entire NFL, only behind Tyreek Hill, with 281 yards after the catch and is averaging 5.6 yards of yak per reception. Um, we're talking just elite numbers from Jamar Chase. Um, and unfortunately for San Francisco, uh, their defense has not been the most tackle-friendly team in the league this year. Um, they've missed 19 tackles the past two weeks. And when you see Jamar Chase, who ranks second in the entire league in yak, and is averaging over five yards of yak per reception, that's not including the yards he's getting on the catch. It's five yards after the catch. If it's a five-yard catch, it's a guaranteed first down for him, basically. Um, if you're San Francisco, you have to tackle. Um... They call it tackle football for a reason. Um, do the first word of that, and I think you'll be fine. <laughs> but San Francisco has struggled there, um, and it's not as if they've struggled against elite players. Their last week it was Hawkinson, and it was Osborne and Addison, a fine group, not elite. Um, then you had Cooper, who is a good receiver with the Browns, but. Then you had guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, and you had, that, that group is not great in Cleveland. Um, they're a fine group, not a great group. You have a great group this week with the Bengals, and you have the second-best yak player in football this year. Um, you have to tackle. Now, it doesn't stop there, unfortunately. <laughs> I already mentioned T. Higgins. Now, he does have a rib injury, or he did, prior to the bye week. He's going to play. Um, he's probably the best number two receiver in football, unless you want to count Ayuk as a two here in San Francisco, or you want to count Devontae Smith as a two. They're all in that conversation. Higgins is probably the best one, or at least the second best number two receiver in football. Um, my main concern with Higgins is if he is lined up consistently, and I think he will be, a cross from Lenore, a smaller receiver... Higgins is going to moss the you-know-what out of Lenore. Now, again, I've said it plenty of times here, what Burrow is going to play on Sunday, 2021 or 2023. It depends. But if I'm the Bengals, I just see a shorter, although scrappy, to give Lenore credit. He's going to fight for the ball. Um, we've seen him play taller receivers before and perform really good against them, so... I'm not counting him out, but uh, the height advantage certainly goes in the Bengals' favor here. And um, if I'm Cincinnati and I'm, I need a big catch, it's not going to chase in this game. It's going against uh, Higgins uh, when Lenore is against him <laughs> on the opposite side. Uh, I just feel like that's kind of scary for San Francisco. And then you have Tyler Boyd playing slot. Um, he's one-dimensional. He's 29 years old, but he's really good at what he does. Um, he gets the job done. This is, again, another key matchup for San Francisco where it's like Oliver has been good this year. Not great, but he's been good. Um, I think Oliver being a bigger body nickel cornerback can actually kind of lock down 
Boyd. The issue is that Joe Burrow has so many weapons, Chase, Boyd, Higgins, where it's like, pick your poison. Um, San Francisco's hands are going to be full, or at least the secondary is going to be. Now, thankfully, unlike Minnesota, uh, they don't have a 76% targeted tight end where, for whatever reason, Warner and Greenlock couldn't block very well or couldn't guard very well. So um, it does kind of, like, they're not going to draw plays for their tight ends, They'll throw to them, but it's not going to be like a Hawkinson or a Kelsey or a Kittle or even Evan Ingram. It's going to be, you know, one of the bottom tier guys in the league. Um, but even then, like this is a big game for this team's pass coverage. You have to tackle. Now it sounds obvious here. Yeah, have to tackle and play good coverage. Well, duh. But this is a game where the like, if anyone's going to boat race somebody, it's going to be this Bengals team boat racing San Francisco. Um, and they have the weapons to do it. Uh, San Francisco not having Debo, maybe not having Trent, even if it's not Brock Purdy out there. Like, this is going to be a very, I don't want to say hampered, because they have Ayuk and George Kittle still, which is more than most teams have in football, and they have McCaffrey. Uh, but this is a massive game for this defense where you have to do your job. If not, uh, it could be 20 to, to 10 at, at halftime. And you're like, well, crap. That's not an awful score. You can still win that game. But uh, if I was going to root for a team or pick a team that, you know, has the odds to boat race somebody, it's going to be the Bengals over San Francisco. But here's where I think San Francisco gets to control this game. Now, it's not the perfect scenario. It isn't, you know, a foolproof plan, as they say. But um, we talked earlier this week about how bad San Francisco's pass rush has been. Um, we talked about them paying Nick Bosa, Hargrave, and Armstead $92 million to have six total sacks this year to pay their entire defensive line to only have 12 sacks this year. Um, San Francisco's defensive line has not been great. It really haven't been. Um, they rank... 25th in pressures this year or pressure rate excuse me which again you would expect when you have 92 at minimum 92 million dollars allocated to your defensive line they're gonna be at least top 10 they're 25th when it comes to pressure rate thankfully this is a game where if you get a and honestly this is also a time where you kind of might want a 2021 joe burrow where he's running around in the pocket um, can extend plays with his legs because if he does that, he's going to stay in the pocket longer. He's going to not need to get rid of the ball as quickly. So almost having an MVP Joe Burrow in a weird way kind of helps San Francisco's uh, defensive line get pressure, get sacks. But I digress. I would assume we're going to get a very limited Joe Burrow with his calf injury. That being said, the Bengals do rank 31st in pass block win rate at under 45%, and they are 19th in run block win rate at 70%, so their offensive line is not great. They rank 31st, the worst team or second worst team in football when it comes to blocking for the quarterback on passing downs. It's pretty bad, <laughs> uh, if you couldn't tell. This is a game where... While San Francisco might not be able to get three, four, five sacks, um, this is a game where I do think they should be able to at least get pressure on Joe Burrow. And you like to think that 
with the calf injury, if you get in the backfield fast enough, you would like to think you can get one to two sacks. Now, Joe Burrow, to his credit, uh, does have uh, one of the quickest trigger rates in football. Um, so he only gets sacked about 5.6% of the time. So it's going to be tough, but I do think San Francisco, if they can limit the quick game, honestly, just put a put eight, put six guys in the box and just say, go out or five, seven guys in the box and say, we dare you to beat us on the quick game. Um, if you're not going to push the ball downfield and you're going to play this, you know, quick game, dump off screen game, put seven, eight guys in the box and say, try me. <laughs> right. And I think if you do that or whatever Wilkes has cooked up in this massive game for him, uh, there is a way they can limit what the Bengals do offensively. And I do think it's also, um, they can get their defensive line going. Uh, Nick Bosa has openly said that missing the preseason has hurt him, um, which you didn't expect. I, I don't think it's a body thing. I think it's a, a mechanic thing. I think it's a, a technique issue. Um, I just don't think he's as quick as he was last year because he wasn't doing the wax on wax off the entirety of the offseason like he usually does. Um, but this is a big game for Hargrave, who's been there the entire time, or a Gregory or a Jackson. Drake Jackson, show yourself, please. <laughs> please. Um, Eric Armstead, this is a game where your stars need to show the F up. Um, they've been absent for almost two games, at least against the Vikings. Um, you go back and watch that tape. You go back and listen to Johnny Dells or John Chabin, two great guys. Um, they'll tell you, Wilkes wasn't the only issue. Sure, there are certain plays you can call them out on. The Niners' blue-chip players, their star players, did not show up. Um, they have to do so against the Bengals. If they don't, we're 5-3. and three. If they don't, we're going to lose. If we don't, um, well, we're sitting here maybe second place in the NFC West and potentially two games behind the Eagles uh, in the entire NFC playoff picture. It's like San Francisco put themselves in such a good situation to begin, but have almost given that all the way in the span of two weeks. It shows you that anyone's beatable. When you lose Debo, you lose Trent, you have a hampered Christian McCaffrey uh things change. Go listen to Fred Warner's podcast. Um, he looks defeated. <laughs> and this is a massive game for him, for Greenlaw, for Hufunga, for Bosa and company. And on offense, like you can Kittle and McCaffrey, even Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes, you have to reassert yourself amongst the elites. You've gone from number one, number two to five or six. Um, people are starting to question you. Now, outside noise shouldn't matter, but Let's be honest, here it does. And if you lose three games in a row after starting 5-0, and sure, bye week, get healthy, but you go to Jacksonville. Then you play Tampa Bay, who isn't great. Then you got the Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle games, and you're like, great. Like, you have to win this game. Is it a must win? Technically, no, but you got to have it in a weird way. You gotta have this game on Sunday. If Brock Purdy plays, I would still pick the Bengals to win this game. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because at this moment, I don't know which Niners defense or offense is gonna show up. Is it gonna be Rams, 
Steelers, Cardinals, Cowboys, Niners offense and defense? Or is it going to be Browns and Vikings defense and offense? You can't score 17 points and expect to win most games in football. And you cannot have a 79th or 79% third down conversion rate against your defense on rushing downs. Can't happen. That's not winning football. They're not playing winning football. Uh, so I picked the Bengals to win this game. I'll say 26 to 20. Um, whether it's Purdy or Darnold, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it's Purdy. I room for him to get healthy. Uh, but honestly, more importantly, you probably need Trent Williams out there, uh, especially in this game, knowing that if you get Trent Williams out there and you can run the football, it's going to heavily, heavily impact um, what you can do offensively. But hope it's a great game on Sunday. If you want to go to the game, use our promo code 49ers access 49 ERS. A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. I want to thank all of you for listening and watching to the last podcast episode. You made it one of the highest viewed and listened to my entire four years doing this podcast. So out of my heart, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access. That's the Twitter. That's the X account, if you will. Instagram, 49ers.access. Again, that's the Instagram. Over 18K on Instagram, over 3,000. And counting on Twitter. Follow us on there. Brock Purdy is going to be active. That is one of the first places you're going to see it. Uh, breaking news, podcast updates, and just my thoughts on this team in general. So follow us on social media. And one more humble ask. Uh, I ask you to like, share, and subscribe this podcast with your friends, your family. Um, if you like the Niners, I hope you enjoy the content. Again, hit that subscribe button on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and on YouTube. Let's grow our audience and grow the community we have here. Um, we are trying to grow our faithful right here on the podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and subscribe, like and review. It helps the show in a very free way. No money spent. It's a free thing to do. We all like free um, and just hope you have out the show in the meantime. So enjoy Sunday, Niners and Bengals. Maybe it's Burrow and Purdy. Maybe it's Burrow and Sam Darnold. We'll certainly find out as the week progresses. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time, stay faithful.